Uh, Galatians 5 is where we're going to be in just a few minutes. And we're going to be looking at a, a thought we're calling no longer, okay? And so to help kind of bring this in maybe, uh, we've got a video here. It's called Free to Serve. And this is what Galatians 5 is going to teach us here today. So Galatians 5, we're going to be looking there in verse 13, 14, and 15, but talking about the theme today of freedom, all right? What that actually means, we're going to do that through a thought we're calling no longer, all right? So Galatians 5, we'll read the first 15 verses there in just a minute. But uh, when you think about freedom and you think about no longer, those two phrases seem to be kind of against one another, right? One seems to say, go do what you want, and the other one seems to say, you can't do what you want to do. Right? That's no longer allowed. Uh, so here's a couple of examples of that, and uh, that's certainly true. I can remember when I first got my driver's license, I was legally free to go drive. Right? I also remember when my report card wasn't to my parents' liking, and so my keys were taken away. So I was still legally free, but I was no longer allowed to drive. All right? So freedom and no longer could go together in that context. You know, maybe even this past week, as you approach the table, you know, we're not quitters, right? We step up and eat. And so when we approach the table, maybe we had our stretchy pants on. And my pants are saying, I've got freedom. But my stomach is saying, you've got to shut down, right? No longer. You can't put any more in there because you're full. Uh, so sometimes those two things do coexist uh, in that negative way of thinking that freedom and no longer cannot work together. Uh, but they can also work together, and that's some of what we're going to talk about today. You know, some of how this country was founded, uh, when we think about how it was established in freedom, 
right? Uh, we're no longer going to be oppressed, but we're going to be free to worship how we want to worship. And so that's part of our history as we thought through um, our country and its beginnings. And so maybe you did some of that this week as you were reminded of Thanksgiving. But lots of examples we could point to. But the reality is this morning that freedom and no longer can exist together. And we'll see this from Galatians chapter 5. So if you've got your Bible, we'll go there, verses 1 through 15. It's Paul's reminding these people who've been free to live out that freedom. All right? You've been set free for a purpose, not just so you can be free, but there's reason behind it. And that's what we're trying to get to today. All right? So verse 1 begins, says, It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. That's the purpose. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. So they're going to try to earn their faith here by being circumcised. He says, you do that, it's of no, of no worth. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he's obligated to obey the whole law. So if you're going to start trying to earn it, you've got to obey everything. Remember, the standard is perfection. You who are trying to be justified by the law, you've been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. For, though, or for, the, for through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And so here we see that word expressing itself. Like freedom is supposed to be expressed, and here this way is love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. God's called you to be free, and now somebody's calling you to do things in a way contrary to freedom. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who's thrown you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. And brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they'd go the whole way and emasculate themselves. But you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Right, so it's this freedom that we're going to look into today from Galatians 5. A few things that we'll note as it relates to no longer being something. All right, so being free suggests that I'm no longer something previously. Right? We've sung about it today. Uh, I've, I've traded my shackles right, for a glorious song. And so we've sung about being free here. So freedom is something that we're going to look into today as it relates to no longer being a slave to sin. All right, so a few things we'll highlight as we progress our way through this morning. One is this. Freedom is, initially, it's how you and I have been designed to live. And this is everybody on the planet. Freedom is what we've been designed to live in. And so from the beginning of time, God predetermined that all people would have the opportunity to be free. He planned for it, and we read it just a minute ago. I've called you to be free. But what is this freedom? Right? Is this, hey, let's be a part of the land of the free and the home of the brave? Is that what God predetermined that everybody should be a part of America? No, he's, in, 
He's determined that everyone on the planet should be free regardless of what country they are a part of. So one of the results here then of being freed from being a slave to sin, we see, is being adopted as his child. Verse 7 of chapter 4, and this is Galatians, same letter. Paul says, you are no longer a slave, but you are God's child. Right? Notice the phrase there, no longer. All right? That's what you once were. You and I were slaves to sin. We all have a sin nature, and apart from Christ in us, his spirit in us, all we can do is submit to that sin nature. So we can paint it up, make it look real nice. People can think we do good, but ultimately there's no pleasure there from the Father because we're a slave to sin. We've not been freed if we're not in Christ. But to me that phrase no longer is really stuck out. It's a good little phrase, and you'd be... Uh, it'd be good for you to do just a, a phrase search. It's about 150 times this phrase shows up in the Bible, Old and New Testaments. A lot of times in the Old Testament, it's God saying, I'll no longer protect you. I'll no longer guide you. When Israel became a stiff-necked people, when their hearts were hardened and they turned away, he withheld, withdrew. But you also see him then on the flip side of that coin. No longer will I be away or no longer will I treat you as, as someone who's taken captive. I'll bring you home. Uh, several no longer phrases in the Bible. Uh, it would be a good sermon series one of these days, 147 messages, right? What is that, three years, somewhere around there, not quite? Uh, so you might want to do that on your own. I don't think we'll go there, uh, although it might be a good series uh, short term. But within the no longer phrases, you can find the gospel. And within the no longer phrases, you'll find what it is that Paul's getting at when he says you've been called to free. You're no longer a slave. And so let me share some of these with you. And we're just going to work through a progression of verses here quickly. I just want you to, to understand the no longer phrase. And so here we have the one phrase out of Hebrews 10.18. Uh, talking about the sacrifices. And so Jesus came as the Son of God to live a perfect life and to die as the substitute or as a sacrifice for our sin. And so where there's been forgiveness, the sacrifice for sin is what? It's no longer necessary. So because of Jesus Christ, the sacrifices that were given for sin, they're no longer necessary because of him. So we're going to start with Jesus, all right? Now we're going to progress to Romans. Here's what we know, that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again, okay? There's no longer a sacrifice needed because Jesus died, all right? Now what Paul writes and says, he who died cannot die again. Why? Death what? Death no longer has mastery over him. And so this is just the progression of the gospel. Jesus died as a sacrifice. Death no longer has mastery over him because he's been resurrected. He died for all, he writes to the Corinthians, that those who live should what? No longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And so now it's getting personal. Okay? God sends the Son, perfect sacrifice, dies, is resurrected, so that no sacrifice is no longer needed. Death no longer has power. And for those who will follow Christ, submit to Him, they also will no longer live for themselves. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. And so this is also echoed in Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Jesus Christ or Christ lives in me. 
This life I live, I now live by faith in the Son of God, the one who gave himself for me. Okay, so there's a progression, right? Son of God, perfect sacrifice. No sacrifice is any, needed any longer. Death no longer has mastery. Those who will submit to him, receive him as their Savior, will no longer live for themselves. They will die to themselves. I've been crucified with Christ, so I no longer live. Uh, and then Revelation in the end tells us as we look forward to things, there will no longer be any curse. And so the hurting body or the broken and ruined lives that we sing about already this morning will no longer exist. And we look forward to that day. It's a no longer. So lots of good no longers in the New Testament, but you can certainly find the gospel in that little phrase, no longer, no longer. All right, so at one point in time, everybody was a slave to sin. And if you've received Christ, you're no longer a slave to that sin, right? No longer. That doesn't mean that the nature is not there. It means it doesn't have to win. Apart from him, all I could do is battle and lose. And I've proven that consistently. But God determined that he would intervene. God determined that he would provide a way to set us free. And so we've sung about it this morning. I'm free, right, from all sorts of things. I'm free from the shackles that held me. My chains are gone. All those things were intentional today to point us back to a phrase called no longer. No longer. And so God stepped in to do this on our behalf. Why did he do it? Why did he set you free? What did Paul say? So we could go follow the law? No. Verse 1 tells us it's for freedom. He set you free to be free. There's a novel idea, right? You're supposed to live in your freedom, and so am I. That's the way it's been intended. Right? The silliness of this is sometimes enslaved, set free, we're willing to go back into the enslavement. It's kind of like being in prison. And you've been in jail for a while, the door is opened, and now you're set free. How silly would it be just to walk right back in and shut the door on yourself and say, I want to stay here. You've been intended to be free. You've been called to be free. Go live in your freedom. Why are you still living shackled up or imprisoned or in chains. It's for freedom that Christ has set you and set me free. And he echoes this a little bit later as well. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. That is, you've been designed to live in freedom. So again, not the land of the free and the home of the brave, but free from the enslaving sin nature. And that's what grace has accomplished for us. Now, anybody have any difficulty living in your freedom? You ever find a sick nature just rising up in you and you find yourself sinning? Disrespectful to your spouse, right? Disrespectful to a neighbor, language that doesn't honor God, an attitude that's just not helpful to the kingdom of God, tight-fisted, we're not willing to share with those in need, right? All these things may color us at some point or, or another. And so we find the struggle there. There's still a struggle with the sin nature. However, we've got the power and the ability to be free, if we'll choose to partner with the freedom that's within us. So this is what grace has accomplished. And yet sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's a battle. Anybody battle your mind? You ever have thoughts in your mind and you think, man, why am I thinking that? Why is that there? Like, where did that come from? By the way, is that wrong? Is that sin thought wrong? Is that temptation wrong? You know, often I can't control what comes in, but I can control whether I dwell on it and what I do in response to it, right? 
So Jesus was tempted just like we are and he never sinned. So initially when it shows up, it's not wrong. You may wonder why it's there, but it's one of those things that makes it hard. You ever have difficulty guarding your tongue? Nobody? Well, that's awesome. Our work here is about finished. <laughs> I would say we probably struggle with that still sometimes, right? You ever have it where it just comes out of the blue? You think you and the Lord are just coasting along and all of a sudden something just comes out of your face and you thought, where in the world did that come from? Why did I just say that? Well, because it's stored up within and that sin nature sometimes wants to show itself and all it's doing is enslaving me all over again. You've been created, designed, I so have I, to be free and sometimes I just struggle and I end up enslaved back in those shackles of my mind or my mouth. Uh, you ever struggle to overcome a temptation? It's just like relentless. It's like hitting you and hitting you and hitting you. And it's like, whatever, okay. And you just give into it sometimes just to get it off your mind. And all it does is enslave you. We feel guilty. We feel ashamed. Somewhere we've offended someone probably, and we've definitely offended God. And so we've walked right back into that baited trap of slavery. And so God knew this. God knew that we would struggle. You ever struggle with panic? You ever struggle being overwhelmed? Struggle being alone? Struggle being afraid? Struggle being worried? Ever have all that? That's a battle in our sin nature. Right? And it wants to win. And sometimes it does win. Jesus knew it would be hard, and that's why he told his disciples, he says, guys, I'm going away. All right, guys, I'm going to go away. So, that doesn't sound like good news to us. If Jesus was here and he said to us, hey, I'm going to go away for a while, we would probably want to either go with him or invite him to stay longer. But what he's going to tell us in John is that it was for our good. Very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I do go, I'll send him to you. And so here's the beauty of this text out of Galatians chapter 5. We've been set free but he didn't set us free and then say, go figure it out. Try to live in your freedom by yourself. He's then equipped us with the very thing needed to be free. So if he didn't go away, the advocate doesn't come, we have no help. And we have no hope of living in that freedom, right? That freedom that Paul says it's for the sake of freedom that you and I have been set free. So no longer a slave. Here initially it's no longer a slave to sin. So freedom starts there. But it's going to progress, and it always does. So freedom is not just free from sin, uh, but it's free to live in such a way. And here initially, Paul writes and says, it's not a license to live however we desire. So freedom is not just some crazy-go-live-however-you-want-to-live sort of lifestyle. Now, I would say it's safe to assume not every desire you and I have is a desire that needs to be pursued. Not every desire we probably have is a God-honoring desire, okay? As a matter of fact, many of these things that we face, they work to battle against our freedom. They work once again to draw us right back into that slavery from which we've been delivered. So let's outline a little bit what this freedom looks like. Right? So the freedom that we've been given is not the freedom just to go do whatever you want or to think whatever you want, to say whatever you want because you've been set free by Christ. That's actually just a, a step backwards right back into living according to the flesh. And so let's read it here. You, my brothers and sisters, 
You were called to be free, so live in it, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. If you look in Galatians 5, you'll see there are many examples of what it means to indulge the flesh. Gossip, slander, anger, all right? divisions. When you work to separate rather than unite, or when I do that, all we're doing is partnering with sin of the flesh. He talks about lust, talks about envy, all sorts of things there that we need to stay away from. So freedom doesn't mean just do what you want, right? Do what you want is what got us enslaved in the first place. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge your flesh. And so he's clarifying here, it's not about do everything that you want. He's going to go on a little bit further and say the same thing. Let's read it. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay? It's by walking in step with the Spirit that you and I don't give in or lose or get enslaved again. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. All right? And so the picture he's trying to paint here, you've been set free, so live in the freedom, but it's not free just to go do everything that you, you feel or desire or think. It means now we've been freed to live how we've been created to live in partnership with the Spirit as an example or an extension of Christ here in this world. And when I don't walk by the Spirit, all I'm doing is indulging my flesh, which leads me right back into the trap of slavery. All right? So we've been... Free to live in the freedom, set free to be free, so then live in it. How do I live in it? Well, it's not by doing whatever I want. Don't indulge or gratify the flesh. Deny the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. And then we're going to see how this is to be lived out here third. And so freedom is no longer about being a slave to sin. Freedom is no longer uh, about a license to do what we want, nor is it uh, to be something that is selfish. It's about humility. It's about love. It's about service. All right? Those words should characterize people who've been set free. And so it's something that we are to be doing. Where there's freedom, there should be action. There should be a response. There should be an example of the freedom. So freedom is correctly lived out as we humbly serve others. Freedom is incorrectly lived out when we indulge our selfish desires. Right? We just said that. So correctly lived out as we humbly serve others. Let's get this picture clear if we can for a minute. The example, the example is the example of Christ. So the Bible tells us in the Gospels that Jesus did not come to be served, but what? But to serve, right? He didn't come to be served. He was free, all right? But he didn't come to sit and be served or to be pleased in such a way like everybody was after him. He came here to demonstrate for us how we are to live while we're here. People who are free should then live as servants. Right? Free to serve. Free to serve is the connection here in Galatians chapter 5. And so he is our example. And Paul's going to challenge us to do that when we go right back to the text. Verse 13, you my brothers and sisters... You were called to be free. But don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. That's going back to slavery. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. All right, so freedom leads to action. Freedom leads to an expression. We read that earlier in chapter 5. It expresses itself in love. 
Okay, it's, it's performed, it's seen, it's experienced as people live out the freedom that is in them. So don't indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And so we see here, it's, it's, it's the putting of others before ourselves. It's the humbling ourselves to look after the needs of somebody else. It's all the one another's of the New Testament, 58 or so of those. You can look up some of those, and we mention these often, but you can pray for one another. Praying for one another is an expression of the freedom that you and I have in Christ. It's humbly putting myself aside to serve somebody else. It's taking time to listen. Have you ever wanted to share something that was on your heart, but nobody would listen? Everybody was hurried? I just need like five minutes where you just sit down and let me talk. Right? That's an act of service. That's humbly putting yourself or myself aside to listen to what's going on in somebody else's life. Showing up in somebody else's time of need. Right? You may be an uninvited guest, but you may be a very needed guest. And so you know that person has a need. When you and I show up, we're humbly serving that person, setting ourselves aside, not indulging our flesh, set free to serve others as we've been served, or to set free to serve others in love. All sorts of things that we could list here this morning, uh, but it's, it's the expression that we're after. We are free to serve. We are free to live selfless. We are free to live like Christ. We are free to become like Christ. That's the freedom to which we are called. We'll see this here also taught in Galatians 5, 14, and 15. Paul summarizes that the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? So freedom is about this idea of serving. It's about the idea of loving other people. Right? Jesus gave us two commands. That's all you've got to do each and every day. Every day I wake up, it's two commands. Love God with my whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as I love myself. And if I can complete those two things, I'm living out the mission. That's it. So it's not a, a gigantic list, but it affects every breath that I take. And so here Paul's just going to give us the one that talks about others. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Those who've been set free, this isn't a good idea. This is what we do. This is how we live. This is what it looks like to be free. If you bite and devour each other, however, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Okay, so obviously there was some biting going on here within this Galatian church. You've got people who are saying we need to go back to the way we used to do things. And that's not working towards good. There's no mutual benefit there. They were going to devour one another. And so here again we come back to this thing of humility, setting ourselves aside to serve others. Right? Working together. Working towards things that we share in common rather than highlighting these things that may divide us, our opinions or our preferences, those sorts of things. So it's correctly lived out as we humbly serve, as we humbly serve others. So it's not about living how I want. It's not about indulging every desire. It's ultimately about you and I laying ourselves aside, expressing as Christ did to us what it looks like to be free on this planet. And it's just service. It's service. So we've just come through a week here where we're thankful 
Right? This is often the time of year where this is in the forefront of our mind as we're making our way towards Christmas. And so I want to challenge all of us as we begin to walk that direction, look for opportunities to express your freedom. Right? Look for opportunities to express your freedom. Let me clarify that. In Christ. Right? Not just freedom in this country, but freedom in Christ. What's it look like to those that you know this next three or four weeks? What's it going to look like for them, for you and I to express our freedom in Christ to them? How can we humbly serve those that God has connected us with? Right? It's not just a good idea or something that we can do as we have time. This is how it looks for those who've been freed. Remember how silly it was it sounded in verse 1. You've been set free. Why? To live in freedom. That sounds silly. That sounds like something we should already know. And yet we often struggle to express this or to live it out. All right, so we've set free not to indulge selfish desires or to get self-absorbed, committed to things that only serve self. But we've been free, set free, so we can serve other people. And we do that ultimately in honor and service of our God. So Paul's trying to make it clear we're no longer slaves. You want to be enslaved to sin? Then go back and live for yourself. Wake up each day and do everything that you can to make your life good without working towards the mission. And you'll be right back enslaved to sin. You'll be right back shackled up to a lifestyle of just pleasing self. And he's saying, no, 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 we've been set free from that. Let's make sure that we're heading towards Christ-likeness. No longer slave of sin, so we're free. And we've been set free not to indulge every desire, but we've been set free to serve and to live the way that we've been built, designed, created to live and to serve. Uh, and so what I wonder here today as we close is this. Initially, are you no longer a slave to sin? Are you no longer a slave to sin? And what that means is, have you been freed from the power of sin in your life? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your only hope? Have you confessed him as your Savior? The Bible teaches that apart from trust in him, we're all enslaved. Everyone. Whether people outside these walls believe it or not, they are enslaved. Whether you and I believe it in this room or not doesn't matter as far as whether or not it's true. We're all enslaved if we are apart from Christ. We're all enslaved if we're just working to fulfill or gratify the desires of our flesh. We've been set free from that. And so initially what I wonder is, are you, are you no longer a slave to sin? Number one. And then number two, like, what in your life proves that to be true? If you'd say, no, I'm no longer a slave to sin, what about how I'm living or how you're living demonstrates that that's truth? You look back over your last week, what have we done in love as a humble act of service towards somebody else because we've been humbly served by Christ? Right? That's the freedom with which we live and that's the freedom with which we are to be minded, focused. Right? Love others, Paul said it there, as you love yourself. So are you no longer a slave to sin? If not, that starts with faith in Jesus Christ. If you'd say, Corey, I'm no longer a slave to sin, okay, then I want to pray with you and I'm asking you to pray with me. What is, what's the expression that we can demonstrate to people in our world? 
our relationships to show them that we've been set free. That comes as humble acts of service, all right, compelled by, compelled by love.